If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. And Sunday with us. And Bigfoot Rob, good to see you. Snakes on a UFO, thanks for coming on in. Stu Gerson, good to have you here. And David Brown, welcome back. Awesome Arlene Adkinzel, nice to have you back after a few days off. Raven is Ryan, thanks for coming on in. Black Dragon, Semper Fi to you, former Marine, a great veteran as well. Chris, the gorgeous teen, is back. Space Cadet, nice to have you here. Electric, Electric Chimera, welcome to SOR Chat. Thank you for joining us. Sweet Donna C., Marty Burback, nice to have you here. Oh, my God, I'm in tough shape tonight. Wild Ascension, welcome back. You're looking lovely tonight. And uh, War Eagle, how are you, man? Where is Dave's energy? Holy cow. I feel drained. Should have never had that nap. Kind of knocked me out. Give me a little punch drunk or something. Gemini Moon looking love. Pono looking good. And uh, Melissa Nicole looking stellar as well. Lovely Linda Bennett. How are you? Jeremy Jones, thanks for coming on in. The Super Chat is open. Store is open on our website. And don't forget, my friends, horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. we got a great show for you tonight as our Keith Andrews is back with the ET Connection. What do those damn ETs want with us? Yeah, Keith's going to break it all down for us. Then in hour number three, the Swamp Dweller is back with another spooky story. Fedora John will be here with the cryptid, or make that the UFO report, and Shirky Poo has the news. First week of each new month, we end it by the R. Keith Andrews, the ET Connection, coming on in, hanging on out, and telling us everything extraterrestrial that goes on 
in the world of Wu. He is definitely the commander of the Wu train. He's been with us for over seven years, breaking it down on the experiences people such as you are having when it comes to ET contact. He's one of the best. He's one of the strangest. He's one of the weirdest, but he is one of the nicest people you will ever meet on this planet. And his knowledge is second to none. Our Keith Andrews, my good friend. How you doing? Well, I've been keeping busy, and thanks so much for the intro. You know, I frankly don't see myself as, as that good at it, but hey, I'll go with somebody else's opinion. Well, you know how we feel around you here. You know, our audience needs a good fix of our Keith Andrews every now and again, and you come on in here once a month to show us that love, that support, and that knowledge that you have. Keith, being a lifelong experiencer, doing what you do now and, and counseling people and helping people out, is there anything else you would like to be doing rather than this? Uh, well, I wouldn't mind traveling around the cosmos a little more. This place is getting just a little chaotic for me. I hear you there. Yeah. You know, but no, I mean, my, like what they call modern tech, this binary stuff just confuses the daylight out of me. You put me in front of a holographic, biomagnetic holographic interface, I'm quite happy with it. We are getting a little bit of clipping on your microphone right now, Keith. I don't know if you got to get a little closer to it or not, but uh, you seem to be getting a little bit of clipping on it. But uh, your hair looks fantastic. Your sideburns look fantastic. Good to see you got the beard going on again. You know, I mean, looking like a like a modern-day Jerry Garcia, to be absolutely blunt. But uh, the big thing for us here, man, is is for you, how do you feel about, you know, going around, having all of these experiences yourself, and being able to explain to people what they are doing? Well, for me, it's, it's rather kind of relaxing in a sense. Like, I do like getting the corroboration from, from other people of what I've been through. But the real enjoyment from my end is being able to take somebody, somebody's situation and break it down so they can make sense of it. I think one of the funnest ones I had was somebody sent me a picture and they asked what, and they had gotten what they called a download and were building this, this physical construct in their, in their shop. And they sent me a picture and said, do you have any idea what this thing is? Because I can't get any readings off it. I said, well, check on the, on the magnetic fields. He goes, why would I check magnetic fields? I said, because you're building a teleporter in the first base of a teleporter. Mm. He goes, why am I building that? I said, I don't know. You're the one that got the download. <laughs> how do you attract such weirdness, my friend? Let's just be honest. How, how do you do that? How does one person accomplish that? Yeah. I'm pretty certain it had to do with the fact that the day I was born, I didn't like it here. Like, people that tell you that birth is a wonderful experience clearly do not remember their own birth. But the day I was born, I bailed. I decided I'd had enough, and I left. I had no interest in staying here. So I didn't even bother with the umbilical cord for astral travel. And from there, it's just been, it's just been a bizarre twist. But to me, it's what I call call clients. This is just normal to me. Wow. Well, I know it's yeah, I, I know it's normal to you, but for many others who have had weird, strange experiences, my man. I mean, this is where 
you know, reality jumps into fantasy and and a lot of uh, conjecture regarding what they are experiencing because what most people are experiencing, I mean, hey, it's normal for you. It's still a little weird for me, but for a lot of people out there, they don't know what the hell is going on and why all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these damn aliens are are hanging on out trying to, uh, uh, you know, do whatever it is to to people. And, you know, hey, there's going to be skeptics out there who don't believe this is going on. There's going to be skeptics out there who say, you know, this is all made up in, in one's head. But in reality, you know, people are experiencing high strangeness. Oh, Lord, yeah. I mean, there are going to be people, you you put a UFO in front of them on the deck, and they will say it's not real. You know, that's all, that's all fake. I love the ones that tell me things like the, you know, like the moon landing was all CGI. Mankind did not even have access to stable CGI back when the moon was landed on. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I I look at. But I take all science and throw it out the window. Because take everything that's scientific about it. My my first positive experience was actually uncovered by a hypnotherapist. By by a very well, like a very well-renowned hypnotherapist. Way back in, I guess it would have been 81. Because I didn't remember my childhood. And he went in to try and help me pull my childhood back together. And when I'm out of the session, he looked at me and he goes, we have a, a massive problem. And that's when he confirmed my first man, my first real memory of the, of, um, of interacting with the off-worlders when I was, when I was only five. Right, that's what an Earthrise, and I'll tell you: if you think a sunrise is, is beautiful, you should try an Earthrise. Of course, you do have to have a starship that you can get to the other side of the moon with. You know, so you may have a bit of a hiccup with that one. Keith, for a lot of people, when they hear you for the first time, they are usually highly critical of your knowledge and your answers and everything because you are so matter of fact about what you have gone through, what you have learned throughout this time and and the strange uh, experiences you have had on your own. How do you go about dealing with the people who say, this, this guy... This guy's a weirdo. This guy's an, a little bit off his rocker when it comes to all this. I mean, not nobody could be able to know what, what he knows. I mean, how do you deal with that? How do you explain that question? Well, the first thing I do is, I, is they start telling me I'm weird, and I'll look at him and go, yep, my life is more like science fiction than anything else I've ever run into. But the reason that it comes across as though it's just normal for me is because I didn't research any of this. I didn't read up on it. As people have found that have listened, you'll ask me about the different the different events that have taken place, you know, the different historical events, and I know very little about them, right? So, because I don't do any research, this is all firsthand. So, for me, it's just like talking about what I had for breakfast, only I remember what I did on the Starship last night more than I do what I had for breakfast this morning. Well, as long as you didn't eat breakfast for dinner, that's okay. You can't eat breakfast for dinner. The first meal of the day is break fast. 
Uh, we're not going to get into this argument again. <laughs> we are not going there again. Our Keith Andrews <laughs> is our guest on Spaced Out Radio tonight. And, Keith, tonight I kind of want to focus, uh, as we wait for audience questions from our chat rooms to come on in, I kind of want to focus tonight on what the heck are the ETs doing here? What do they want from us? Well, the long and the short of it, when we take a look at the Galactic Consortium, which is the governing body that handles all the all the off-world, off-world um, travel around here, they are here to protect Earth, not the people of Earth, but the planet itself. Okay, meaning if mankind wants to wants to shoot themselves out of existence, it's okay as long as they're not damaging the planet. Because it's essentially, um, Earth really falls under the category of the galactic version of the of the Library of Alexandria. Because there is so much information that is that is contained within the quantum within the quantum magnetic flux of the of the triple helix, that you know they're protecting that information, and then of course we have the other neat little issue. Sure, vertigo, that's what I need. We have the other neat little issue of this being, from a xeno-socioeconomic standpoint, this is a very exciting standpoint, point in time where a civilization is just on that bridge of either going, in going intergalactic, getting into space on a stable base, or blowing themselves out of existence. You know, so it's it's a very entertaining time, very educational, which is why, as some people have asked me, there are schools, like there are off-world classes that come here on field trips. Specifically speaking, the Martokians are regular at it. Yeah, right. where they come down to literally, literally watch what's going on. All right, let's get right to the questions from our audience. They are starting to pop up. And, you know, this is going to take us way off track from what we normally do. But Big Dog wants to know, what is the whole purpose of crop circles, Keith? Many of them are landmarks for passengers. Because from orbit, you can see them. Like, I saw them that literally tell you there's, if I knew how to draw, that helped. Um, but I saw one just a couple of years back that is nothing but. Telling, telling you where, or more to the point, telling the other starships where the nearest jump point is. A jump point being where you can hit a wormhole to get to the other side of the universe. All right. But you do have to, you've got to know the mathematics or you end up in the wrong place. That is true. You don't want to end in the future or in the past. Well, you can't end in the past because it's it's absolutely impossible to go backwards in time. You you can go forwards, but you're not going back to tell anybody. Mm, all right, let's go to Lara. Why are so many star seeds awakening, Keith? Well, it's kind of like take a, take a cluster of old fashioned matches. You light one, and any time they get near another match, it'll light off the other one. It'll say it's a cascade, a cascade exposure, if you will. As people start to wake up, they will wake up the people around them. However, the one thing I do caution people: there are a staggering number of people that I hear and I talk to 
that claim to be starseeds, star and you're looking, and I'm looking at them going, if you're a starseed, how can you be so based in fear? Okay, there's a lot, and you've got to watch for it, because the ones that are talking about fear and are really promoting that side of it, they know the terminology. It's, what's, it's what I've been told is it learning to talk to talk. But star seeds are not here to change the world. Okay, they are here to remind people that we can actually make this work, but everybody's got to get involved. But it really boils down to it. It's the same that we've talked about, um, you know, why why more people see things at Halloween. Well, it's because more people are paying more attention to what's going on. But the star seeds, it is that, it's that time of, of evolution, if you will, that it's becoming more and more blatant. The other reason that you'll find a lot of people talking about it more is because they are so fed up with the way that society on the whole, and I'm talking global society, is scrambling things, that they're looking for something that makes a little more sense. Which really, when you think about the UFO phenomenon, saying that makes more sense than modern modern society, might tell you the kind of shape that modern society is in. Very true. Very true. I, I mean, I could see that. Uh, but I mean, modern society though can only control what it can control that it's allowed to control, which isn't much. People can only control that which they personally are involved in. Like for instance, Dave, you can absolutely, you yourself can control what you say on the radio. True. Very few people can control what I say, but you do a really good job on backing on protecting that side of it. But you cannot control how other people are going to react to it. All right, let's get to in the studio. What's the point of these stairways in the forest? Have you heard about these, Keith? Yeah, they lead to what most people call inner earth, inner earth or hollow earth, or you know, there's a number of different names that people have used. Would you ever go up one? Okay, try that again. Would you ever go up one? Up or down, no real skin on my nose, the answer would be yes. Of course, I'd have to go into the forest to get to one, and I'd barely leave my apartment. What's on the other side? Because they always say that there's something bad happening if you go up those stairs that you may never be seen again. (laughs) I love it, yeah. That's kind of like saying that, you know, it's a really bad thing to, to go to a party and enjoy yourself. What's up there or what's down there and which way you go is a whole bunch of other people that are definitely not all human. But they're really, on the whole, they're really decent people. You know, there are people up there that are a pain in the neck and definitely not people that you want to that you want upset. But then, I mean, you take a look at WWE, you wouldn't want to upset Big Show either. Very true. Very true. Candid point there. Marty would like to know, was Valiant Thor of the 1950s actually from Venus in our timeline or dimension? Well, not knowing exactly who Valiant Thor was, I can tell you this. From my standpoint, it would stand to reason. Certainly in our timeline and dimension. Okay. Now, not knowing specifically who he is... uh, 
the Venus side, I'm going to have to pass on. Okay, Valiant Thor was an extraterrestrial. Him and his team uh, allegedly came from Venus to, to help work with the United States government. And they worked there for a number of years. They were uh, apparently lived in inner Venus because the surface obviously is too hot being too close to the sun. And they were here for a couple of decades. They may still be here. And there are alleged photos of Valiant Thor and his team. They're very human looking. A little bit different around the ears, some of them. Yeah, um, I wonder if I've actually got one here. Dr. Frank, Dr. Frank E. Stranges looked into this case and wrote a book about it. Yeah, I certainly didn't read that one. Well, you, let's say so, I'm just not exactly what you would call very well read. But, no, I mean, from my standpoint, do I know that the, the Venusians have been here for years and have been coming and going? Absolutely. There is no question there from my standpoint at all. So, from that standpoint, it would certainly make sense that... You know, his claim to be from Venus would fit with the fact that they've been here. The Venusians have been here, quite frankly, since the late 1800s. So them still being here, probably not the same people. You know, probably not the, the same crew that was here originally. But are they, you know, have they been here for, for well, over a century now at this point? The answer is yes. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on here. Let's go to Magnetic Universe. Not often talked about, but the occupants of these UFOs or UAPs are understood to have IQs considerably higher than humans. Any idea how much higher? Are we talking multitudes? What are the implications? Well, the how much higher depends on the individual races. I mean, certainly they've got higher IQs. The ones that bring their own ships are certainly more evolved, intellectually speaking, or at least the scientists on their, on their crew, on their planets are. When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know your dog on a genetic level with an Embark Dog DNA test. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark analyzes twice as much genetic data as the competition, screens for over 210 genetic health risks, and tests for 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DOG, that's D-O-G, to get $40 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DOG to save today. Okay, what the implications are, and this is what the off-worlders have to be careful of, and one of the things the consortium watches is they have access to technology that is so far beyond mankind's comprehension it would be like taking a taking a Hawker Sidley Harrier and dropping it into the middle of, of Egypt and going here, go play with this. They're just you know, humans are just not ready to understand it yet. All right. Makes sense. 
Let us move on here as we continue on. Black Dragon, one of our favorite veterans who listens to this show. Keith, do you know anything about the library, not the earthly ones? Presumably, presumably Black Dragon is referring to the, to the Akashic Records. And the answer would be yes. Fantastic little place to hang around. But there are limits to what you can do because the Akashic Records are set up, unlike a Terran library, where you can go in and take whatever book you want. With the Akashic Records, you can go in and access your own information without any hindrance at all. But you can't go in and looking can't go in to look at somebody else's history or their past. Okay, that is they've developed a way they are protected on a on a sub quantum level, which means there is no way humans are going to even come close to being able to hack it. Okay, so for a lot of people who don't know, talk about what the Akashic records are. We got one minute. Yeah. The Akashic Records are the record of your soul's life, your soul's path. Okay, much like you've got a... It's kind of like looking at the the driver of a vehicle. The Akashic Records look at the driver. They look at who you are at your core and what you're here to gain wisdom around. You know, what path you've picked out for yourself. But they count back... They count back literally realities. They don't just settle for lifetimes. All right, let's quickly go to George's question. Keith, is the moon base for ETs? The moon seems to be a great place to observe. 20 seconds. In human terms, it would be called a way station. Very active on the so-called dark side of the moon, but there are races from all over the place that touch down there. You know, they touch in the way they go right all right keith i'm gonna get you to hold on right there because we are gonna go to break here at the bottom of the hour the woo train has pulled into his next stop when we return we're gonna hit the tracks once again with your questions our keith andrews and the et connection happens very early in each month where keith joins us to talk about everything to do with extraterrestrials ufos and the contact on earth We'll be back right after this. All right, Keith. Yeah. I'm going to get you to, uh, or when you're when you're back, we got to try and uh, pop you out and pop you back in because your audio is is really clicky. Okay. All right. I'll be right back. Yeah. Uh, Christine, uh, I can guarantee you that uh, Keith has not uh, read uh, Charles J. Hall's experience in Nevada with the tall whites. Um, What do I think about it? God, I want that one to be real. I do. I want to walk into a casino in Vegas and see some aliens there. I mean, my buddy Tech72 or 702 who's in the chat room tonight, um, I don't know if he's still listening, but damn it, he's like one of them big bastard that he is. It's like this big and that big yeah hopefully i'm gonna go see him next month hi jcl ohio uh we're gonna start with your question next and uh keith i'm gonna snap you out of here and uh um let's try and bring you back in do you want to talk hello i'm back and ready to go 
I know, but I'm trying to get rid of this. Yeah, you keep clicking, and it's like cutting out, just ever so slightly cutting out. I don't know what the hell that is. That I don't know. Crush Tech is not my strong suit. Oh, I hear you, man. I hear you. No. All right, we may have to battle here. Uh, Hi, gorgeous Margie O, the lovely science Melinda. Nice to see you. Nucker, I have no idea when a Canadian team is going to win the Stanley Cup again. I still have faith in my Oilers coming back. I do. I do. Yeah. Oh, God, do I ever. <laughs> oh, my. I thought they got knocked What's that? I said, I thought I thought my ex said that the Oilers got knocked out of the running. No, uh, they're in the second or the third round right now. Uh, they're down two games to none, going into Game Three tomorrow oh, night. Sorry. Yeah, don't ask me. I don't follow them. She does, but let's face it, I don't follow sports to speak of. I know you don't. EMF, you're unbelievable. Oh, there we go. All right. Now the questions are flowing. All right, Keith. Ready to get fired up here pretty quick? We are so. Excellent. 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 How's your chair? Your chair looks comfy. It is. It's not bad. I've got this one and I've got the other one over in the corner. I don't think you can see it at this point. No, I got another one back over this shoulder. Yeah, I'm just hiding it, as it were. Because I've actually got two in here, but I'll tell you, the casters on them are garbage. They don't roll properly at all. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, Vivster in the Spreaker chat room. How you doing? Oh, Vivian, 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 Vivian. I'm going to ask you a real twisted question, but over my right shoulder here. Yeah. Do I have something something running around on the ground there? On the ground? I can't see the ground. Uh, no, I was just seeing it over my over my shoulder here. Um, Let me zoom in on you here, buddy. Take a look here. Let me... Yeah, I was just sitting, I was sitting here, and all of a sudden, I'm watching something go scoop by me. I'm like, okay, well, my eyes didn't quite catch that, but maybe the camera did. No, I didn't see it on camera. I'll check the, uh, if anybody saw that on the chat room, let Keith know. I'm right now about uh, eight minutes back in the chat room. Hey, Big Bad Tim, how you doing, buddy? Anonymous Rex, good to see you here, brother. I will be giving you a phone call tomorrow. And... Mm-hmm. We got about uh, 35 seconds, bud. Okay, okay. I'm here. In case you had to know. Uh, Nucker says he saw it, whatever it was. I want to say thank you to Anonymous Rex, Snakes on a UFO, Terry, Amy, Space Cadet, 
Tech 702, Melissa Smithy times two. Very much appreciate the love and support through the Super Chats. Thank you so much. Love it. And we're going to get going here right now, everyone. Your question's coming on up. Second half hour of Space Down Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You want it? You got it. My name is Dave Scott, and we're talking woo all night long. Our Keith Andrews is here with the ET Connection. We'll get to him momentarily, but first, we want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of of uh, features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with our Keith Andrews and the ET Connection tonight. Big Bad Keith comes in near the beginning of each month to counsel us on what to do if you've got aliens. And we're going to start off with JCL in Ohio right now. Keith, what is the name of the planet we live on? Is it Earth? Well, I can get Earth is what humans call it. Most of the off-worlders refer to this place as Soul 4. And and Ian, the planet itself, refers to herself. She, her actual name is Itzah. You may know her as Gaia, depending on, on, your, on your heritage or your belief structure. Of course, in my case, I also refer to her to her as mother. All right, let us move on here. Lazarus wants to know what about the astronauts. I don't know what about the astronauts. I'm just following the question, Keith. What about the yeah. astronauts? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if we're looking for a list of complications they may have, I mean, the, this question of do they really go to the moon? Yeah. Have they seen many things that they haven't reported? You bet. All right. Paul wants to know in Australia, as his picture shows, he's playing my favorite Gibson Les Paul guitar. Maybe we should call him Les Paul Holland. He's got like six Les Paul guitars. Instead of Grand Paul Holland, what do you think, Keith? Instead of Grand Paul Holland, should we call him Les Paul Holland? I think Grand Paul Holland actually works better. I know. Sounds a little bit more. I know, but, shall you, we but say, you should yeah. see his guitar collection. It's, it's it's stunning. Should be in a museum, to be honest. And one day it may be. But I think at this point, his, his basement or his living room is pretty much in the museum he's going to hang on to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. What's the longest living extraterrestrial species? Well, if we look with the longest living one that I'm aware of right now would be the Xerzix. They literally survive through through uh, universal shifts, as in live through the Big Bang. One of the longest living uh, one of the longest living um, races that came into existence in this in this reality would be the Laborians. 
who live an average, well, let me put it this way. They will live every, and they will live a good 80 years of their time. But understand, every one of their days is a thousand years on earth. So every year you're looking at 365,000. We'd be looking at, if I've got it here, I can actually give you an answer. We go 365,000 times 80. You're looking at 29 million years is their average adult lifespan, assuming they don't get killed. So, yeah, they'll, they'll live for a while. All right, let's move on. We've got a ton of questions. Lisa would like to know, why do the crop circles appear mostly in the United Kingdom? Do they ever appear in the U.S.? I know in Canada, there has been a number in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Alberta. But mainly around Saskatchewan. Well, I think personally, and I really don't have a definitive on this one, but it makes sense if you you understand that crop circles are a message system for interstellar travel. Then you would be, you know, if you picture if you picture Great Britain and that area as a bulletin board, if you're looking for information, if you're looking for a passing a passing message, check the bulletin board. So they'll put them in the same area. All right, let's go to yeah. Doug Shelby here. The Doug Shelby. Are they hostile? Should we be worried about our species, our planet? Well, you should be worried about our planet, but that's what humans are supposed to do, is worry about our planet. As for the off-worlders, in, in real simple terms, if they were hostile and the consortium was not interested in protecting the planet, if any one of the races were to start a war, were to decide to invade Earth, the invasion would be over before mankind ever got word it was starting. Yeah, so is there any point in worrying about them? No, they're not interested in taking over the planet. All right, let's go to Vaughn. Are the race of aliens known as the black-eyed children simply here to abduct humans? No, they're watchers. They are simply interact. They are, they're not exactly watchers. They are interactives. In other words, they come in to take a look at to take a close-up and personal look at the way people are reacting to each other. They are also a prime test to see if mankind is ready to run into actually to actually run into into full-blown off-world off-world interaction. You know, people get panicky about the black-eyed children. Mind you, people get pan- panicky about different skull- different skin-colored humans. And the black-eyed children are simply coming here. And by the way, everybody calls them black-eyed children. Those aren't children. Yes, they're the size of children, but they're not children. All right, let's move on. Terry Brown wants to know, Keith, what do you know about the book of Urantia and its origins? Um, well, somebody asked me about that a little while ago. They sent me a message. I never heard of it before. So I don't have a lot of answers on that one. And I haven't looked into what it is yet. All right. Well, let's move on here as we continue on with our Keith Andrews and the ET connection. Let's go over to uh, Nikki here. Uh, Keith, why do the ETs choose either Mars or Venus to teach most of the hybrid children on? 
Uh, they don't. That just happens to be two of the planets that humans recognize. Most of the ET training takes place on the on the consortium ships. You know, on the generation ships. You know, it's just a lot of people relate to the planetary involvement, which is why I find it fascinating when people talk about colonizing Mars. In Earth terms, colonizing Mars would be kind of like trying to invade it. It's already occupied. Okay. So where are they teaching these hybrid kids? Are they on ships? Are many they on them, other planets? Many of them are well, many of them are taught on hybrid or on, on the consortium ships because they get the biggest interaction. Some of them are actually some of the of the gray hybrids are taken back to their home world and taught there because it's easier to teach them the off world cultures by taking them to their own home worlds. Okay, and then of course they they train and they teach them here. Some are dropped off with humans and raised as humans, and that's where the training takes place. Mm. Kind of like going to boot camp for the Army. They take you away from home and send you to some strange place. Ultimately, yes. All right. Let's go to the next one. This comes from Chris Teen. I don't know ever how long to pause between the Chris and the Teen. Anyways... Uh, Dave, I want to believe that Charles J. Hall's stories, too, seems legit on a lot of points. He has a few interviews I've seen with varying points. Okay, so what this was about is during the break, Christine actually asked you about Charles J. Hall and his reports of aliens uh, landing at Area 51, catching a bus into Las Vegas and partying for weekends before ta- going back out to Area 51 and taking off in their ships. Did you ever hear anything about that, Keith? Quite a while ago, yes. And usually, that I mean, does it happen? Yes, but they do relegate it to ones that can easily pass for humans. You won't see a reptilian walking around downtown Vegas. Nor will you want to see a Udina. Udina. Mind you, the ancient races also funnel through Area 51. What most people don't realize about Area 51 and places like that, including Dulce, is there's access to the the inner earth through there as well. Mind you, in all fairness, they don't know where it is either. Not the ancient races, but the people that that work in Area 51. Gotcha. Magnetic Universe is asking, is it a general understanding that ETs are hive-minded? And if so, could that be influencing all the sinks? Um, Well, a lot of people seem to think they are. I can tell you from practical experience, on the whole, they are more independent-minded than humans are a lot of the time. The one, there are a couple of exceptions. Vegans are very, they're not hive-minded, but they are community-minded. And the difference is, a, like with the Talons, which are an ant-like like race, they are hive-minded. They, the queen says, this is what you're doing, and off they go. But the Vegans, they, they are in total telepathic communication with each other. And they can come and go as they will, as are the Mobians. But they're not a hive mind. All right, let's go to Pittsburgh here, where Chuck G is asking, do you know if the aliens have checked out the Starlink satellites? I have, I don't have definitive answer to that. But I know that they've got, got crews going through all the records of mankind leaves up there. 
and quite frankly, what the what the what humans don't actually tell you is a number of the pieces that were left behind that humans left, such as rocket pod, the the rocket boosters to get the satellites into orbit, have been um, they have been salvaged, as in pieces have been taken off them so that the off-worlders could get a better, a closer, hands-on interaction with human tech. Mind you, it's kind of like today's today's um, people going back and looking at the technology from the 1900s, only a lot earlier, probably closer to Egypt holiday technology. All right. Andresis is asking, while asleep, my wife saw a four saw four blonde haired beings, heard the word remember, then sees two grays inches from her face. What would that be all about? Well, not to sound facetious, but it was literally, it is time for his wife to remember her her trips up there. The four blondes, depending on the blonde. These sounds are the sounds of lower emissions. That's because one day soon, engines like these could run on lower emission fuel. Renewable diesel derived from plants that's engineered to keep millions of tons of CO2 out of the air. At ExxonMobil, we're working to supply the energy the world needs today, while playing a leading role in the transportation sector's transition to a lower emission future. It's one of the ways we're advancing climate solutions. Learn more at exxonmobil.com fuels. Thank a teacher. Amaze a neighbor. Surprise your bestie. Just say, happy any day. Share the love with Choice Multi-Store Gift Cards. Available now at giftcards.com. They were either Nordics or Aldebarans. The fact that they were with Grays probably means she was looking at, at, at Nordics. And the big thing about life here on Earth is we are here to remember ourselves. To remember where we came from, which, by the way, just to be clear... Humans are born on Earth, but your soul didn't start here. There are very few people whose soul, who, who take on a human form as an original incarnation. But it would be advisable for, for, his, for his wife to really start, when she wakes up, remembering this kind of event. Make sure she writes it down, including the date and time when she when she woke up, because it'll it'll be by doing that she'll remember bits and pieces and be able to put them together and get a clear picture of what she's going through. By the way, I don't feel she's got anything to fear. All right, let's move on here. Terry is asking, "What would you say, Keith, to the people on this planet that believe the Earth is flat?" Hop on a starship and get off the planet and take a look at what's really there. Because, you know, the reality is, is the Earth round? Not really. Okay. But it is certainly not flat. And I take all the scientific evidence and totally ignore it and just go with what I thought I was off-world for uh, the first time and so many times since. Big Dog wants to know, how does one have an experience? <laughs> well, I could flip that around backwards and go, how don't you? But, <laughs> you know. 
I don't know. For me, it's been going on. You know, people have said you can call them with a pen light. And if that were the case, I don't know how the off-worlders would pick which pen light they were going to go after. But I can tell you, you're more likely to have one if you're accepting, if you're more, um, they do watch for for uh, cranial emanations. So, you know, the more relaxed you are, the more open-minded you are, the more likely you are to have a more positive encounter. All right. Of course, whatever you do, do not try and get a, a experience with just any race. There's a number out there that this would not be a wise move. Gotcha. Angel Wings wants to know, why do entities seem to affect higher vibration people more lately, or are we just noticing them more often? Bingo on the second part. The higher the vibration, the, the more aware people are of their surroundings, the more likely you are to spot them. It's not that they've really, it's not that they are really more prevalent nowadays, so much as people are looking more at the stars. And what you don't know, what people don't realize is it's not always what you see, as what you don't see that actually is actually the evidence. Like, if you're watching a, a section of the stars, a section of the sky, and you watch a pattern of stars winking out, you know, if you've got the star here, right, if you've got the star here, and you've got a ship going like this, the stars will wink out and then come back. That's something passing between you and the stars, you know, and the ship. You also got to remember that if you're watching what you think is a satellite and it takes a 45-degree hook, that ain't a satellite. Very true. Charles, who's our resident Huckleberry around here, is asking, how many ET bases are there on our planet? I could not begin to tell you. Because we are not talking about just surface that the humans know about. There are a number of, of bases that are, su- that are subterranean. Subterranean are subsurface. You know, so I haven't got a clue. I can tell you there aren't quite as many as there are cities on the on the surface of Earth. True. Vaughn would like to know, is there life on outer planets and their moons, and are their governments aware? Or are our governments aware? Well, <laughs> I can tell you there are... There are... Um, there are species on Mars, Venus, Eo, um, Vulcan, which is actually closer to the sun than Mercury is. Um, there are there are people living on Saturn. I don't mean humans. I mean non-humans. And then you've got people that are living in, literally in space, outside of, of atmospheric conditions. So, yeah, the place is teeming with off-worlders. All right, let's get to Big Dog. Keith, what are your thoughts on the Black Knight satellite? It's primitive. I mean, for humans, it's actually pretty well developed. But it's a very primitive construction. Of course, you got to understand, the Black Knight satellite, I don't know what its exact range is. 
But considering he can't see to the other side of the Milky Way, it's a pretty primitive little item. Belinda, but it is. Go ahead. Go ahead. You first. I was just going to say, it is, from human standpoints, it is quite the work of art. All right, let's move on to Millennium. How do ETs greet each other? Do they shake hands, hug, or bow to each other? How do they react to physical contact? Hmm. That depends on the ET. Okay, I mean, they all of the above do apply depending. Okay, there there are some, they greet, you, they greet each other by literally trying to kill each other, and then they get up and have a beer, or what passes for a beer. Some of the combat-oriented ET you know, off-worlders are very violent in their methods of meeting. This is one of the problems with humans, okay, is you cannot greet some of these people, you know, in, the, in their fashion. They've got to learn. The Strasathians, when they first got here, found out quite by accident that shaking a human hand is a really bad idea because they'll tear the arm off. You know, but they are, some of them greet in a, you know, they greet by bowing or nodding or hissing. Strasazians greet by a simple color flash along their, along their jawline. But that's greeting each other. But they do, all of them speak basically, a, you know, they do speak what I've learned to call Pangalactin, which is basically a universal trade language. All right, let's move on to another question as we got three minutes to go. Lazarus is wondering, is all of this your reality or our reality? I am the last person to ask about that. I mean, I can certainly tell you that my, you know, I can tell you that what I talk about is what I have come to understand is real to me. Can I prove it to other people, or do I expect other people to just flat out believe it? No. Okay, I've long held that my life is more science fiction than anything else. You know, I can, the one thing I will guarantee to people is I will not lie to people to make them feel better. And sad to say, Dave, you're, you among all, of most, more than most people know that, you know, a diplomatic response is not the highest thing on my list of priorities. True. <laughs> yeah. is wondering, does E.T. understand semaphore? Correct me if I'm wrong. Semaphore, that's the aircraft. Yes. And that's the aircraft. Okay. Um, some of them do. Okay. Some of them definitely do because they've had to learn it to understand how humans work. That and the fact that they watch it to understand military and air traffic, air traffic maneuvering, so they can gauge where they're where they're able to fly without causing an un, an unfortunate incident. All right, let's go to Big J as we got just over ninety seconds. Which ET race of beings wrote the Devil's Bible, and why is it such an oversized book? Well, two major factors: the ETs didn't write it; humans did. And why it's such an oversized book is because there is so much information that's been twisted out of shape in it that it it does hold true information, but it has been so butchered 
that most of the true information is now very confused. Hmm. But that's not the off-world who's doing. Uh, Lazarus. Dave, pick a number between 1 and 100. My number is 24. There you go. Uh, I don't think you're a small talent. Uh, Gemini, getting back to the Black Knight satellite, who do you think created it, Keith? Or is it just a piece of space? I'd be inclined to think that was mankind. Mankind does some phenomenal work with technology. Very true. Grandmaster of the Gong Show asking, have you summoned aliens with lasers and high-powered white light? Number one, the answer is no. Of course, I don't have to. You know, but I've never used lasers to summon them. I have on occasion used thought to get their attention, but never any sort of, of white light in the way of technologically generated. All right, our Keith Anders and the ET Connection is here tonight on Spaced Out Radio. When we return, more of your questions, more of what do aliens want with us. Our Keith Andrews on YouTube. If you want to check him on out and hit that subscribe button, we highly, highly recommend it. Spaced Out Radio continues with our Keith right after this. So for those of you who want to take a look at uh, Les Paul Holland's uh, Les Paul's, uh, there we go. That's the collection right there. Look at those. Oh, oh nice. The, the cobalt. Yeah, I told you it was like a museum. Uh, just Grandpa Holland can go over all of them in uh, in uh, the chat room. I'll be right back, guys. Oh, love that picture. That's a nice collection.
Apparently, I'm still here. Yeah, I, I, most of the questions that are being listed in the chat room, I leave to Dave to pick out which ones to answer. The, the reason I answer a couple of them is because of the fact that they fall outside of what we usually discuss. You know, but I don't have a problem with them. There's very few questions I won't answer. You know, and, you know, the one nice part about it, from my standpoint anyway, is when people ask me a question, the one thing I won't do is lie to you to make you feel better. I will tell you, if I'm not going to answer a question, I'll tell you flat out I'm not going to answer it. You know, because from my way of thinking, if I'm going to tell you this is what I do, I'm not here to prove it because, frankly, there is no proving it for most people. I can tell you I've had enough physical witnesses, you know, other people that have seen the events, that I just don't question it anymore. That's an excellent collection there, Dave. That is a beautiful collection, Grandpa Holland. Raul Julia, how you doing? Long time, no time. So I uh, did something today. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I My son's birthday is in three weeks. And I got him concert tickets to one of his favorite bands. He's never been to a rock concert before. And we are going to see Avatar in July in Vancouver. Nice. Yeah. How how old is the Munchkin now? He'll be nine. God, that's going to be a day to remember for him. Oh, man, we are going to rock. We are going to rock. It is going to be amazing. And uh, it's going to be fantastic. Mike Palumbo, nice to see you, man. All right, we got just over a minute here, Keith. Um, okay. Did you answer any questions in the chat room? The only one I answered was Jeremy asked in what kind of music I listened to. Okay. And I just found out told, and told people, uh, I don't answer questions that are listed there because I leave those for you to pick up. Yeah. It's just that one fell way outside the normal line. All right. Uh, well, we're going to... Uh, uh, make sure that, uh, we got them all set up here. YJ Overlander. How you doing, buddy? Good to see you. How's Kelowna? I think he's in Kelowna with you, Keith. Um, well, if he is, I wouldn't mind meeting him for coffee. Yeah. Mind you, I only go, I only go to one restaurant in town. <clears throat> Smitty's. But if he wants to go for coffee. Smitty's. Uh-huh. Smitty's. Nope. No, there's a restaurant within walking distance to me called Wings. Oh, it's yeah. the only restaurant I in the like city wings. I go to. I like Wings. Damian K, good to see you. Vincent Richardson, uh, thanks for joining us. All uh, right. Uh, yeah, we're going to see Avatar. All right. Thank you to all the super chatters. Here we go, everyone. Let's rock and roll. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two on Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are 
on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old Davey the favor hit that subscribe button the desert clam has set the password for tonight in the sor space travelers club pangeometry pangeometry is your password use it wisely space travelers as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on spaced out radio our website is spacedoutradio.com we have a plethora of features for you rock out to bumblefoot read shirky poo's newswire Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with our Keith Andrews and the ET Connection hanging on out, answering audience questions for another hour here. Keith, welcome back. And thanks for having me, and welcome to everybody that joined us during break. All right. As well as everybody that's still tolerating us. Sure, absolutely. Uh, let's go to Charles here. He's our resident Huckleberry. What do you make of the obsidian caverns at the South Pole over two miles deep with hieroglyphs said to be not of this planet? Well, they are of the planet. In all likelihood, they are of the planet. But two miles, when they say over two miles deep, that's kind of like saying the Marianas Trench is over is over 100 feet deep. I mean, they are over two miles deep, but it's an access point to to the inner Earth. Hmm. Are we traveling yeah, down the, there? Well, I don't know about you, but I've been there. It's a wonderful place to hang around. Oh, excellent. YJ Overlander, who I thought was in Kelowna where you are, he's up uh, west of Prince George. He's in Samantha Moat well, territory. Samantha Moat territory, four by fouring in his Jeep somewhere through the mountains looking for Sasquatch and Dogman up there. He's asking. Well, tell him to say Kokanee. Well, say Kokanee beer. They did commercials about that. The guy oh, loves it. Yeah. Love the Kokanee. I don't buy that, by the way. Well, there is a guy in my town, for anybody who's ever seen the old Kokanee commercials with the Sasquatch and, and the Forest Ranger. There is a guy in my town who looks exactly like the forest ranger. He wears the yellow glasses. He's got the mustache to go along with it. And I just, every time I see him, I just laugh. I just laugh. It's a good memory. But YJ is asking, is disclosure going to come from the efforts with Congress or from aliens themselves? That's a good question. Ultimately, it's going to to end up coming from the aliens themselves. But um, they are being very cautious because mankind and mankind's Earth society is not ready for full disclosure. You know, in, in simplest terms. Well, I think part- Custom Inc. is an awesome way to recognize employees, thank customers, and outfit your teams with their favorite products and brands customized with your logo. CustomInc.com lets you make your mark on water bottles, backpacks, polos, jackets, and a ton more. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Oh yeah, and everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at CustomInc.com. Enterprise isn't just one of the world's largest transportation providers. We're a committed team helping you get to what matters most. 
your family, your livelihood, and your next adventure. Getting you there begins with our employees, who are motivated to make a difference for you every day. Around the world and around the corner, in neighborhoods like yours. Connecting you to all the places you love. That's Enterprise. Part of the other issue with that, and that's, that gets into a deeper question as well, what kind of disclosure are we actually going to get from our government officials? If it's the disclosure that we all want, which is we want everything since at least Roswell, you know, even even further beyond whatever they have learned, that's never going to happen. It's always going to be some controlled information, which is exactly. It, okay, so let me ask you this before we move on. Is personal disclosure, like you've had yours, I have had mine, going to be more popular and prevalent than government disclosure? Yes. People are going, the work you're doing, Dave, and people like you, is what's making it possible for people like myself and like many others to come out of the war work and say, hey, this is actually going on. But most people are yelling at the government to disclose that the government says we're going to open up and then they tell you nothing. You know, humans on the whole don't trust government disclosure. They want the government disclosure, but they don't trust them to give it in the first place. But it is becoming more acceptable for somebody to say, hey, this is what I'm going through without being labeled a complete lunatic right off the hop. Let's go over to Angel. Keith, are you aware Archangel Guardians have awakened for something serious coming or for what we will be going through? Um, It's not so much they've awakened as people are paying more attention to them. But yes, very much aware of them. Okay, and they are here. One of their primary concepts is to help humans understand that humans are not alone. They do play a very important role in this sector. All right. going to have to yeah, I'm going to put you on mute there. And, you know, more people are becoming more aware of what is going on regarding their own awakening. And, and a lot of people, from what I have heard, are actually having more of their own spirit guides and there are more uh, spiritual encounters that are really trying to come through as well. I don't think that can be denied on anything uh, with that either. I mean, when more people are opening up and more people are starting to account for their own spirituality, I think it's a good thing. I think it strengthens the planet. Howdy. Are you back, Keith? I am back. All right. That was just checking numbers to make sure that I could log out and go home. Excellent. Because you saw how much activity I had today. Yes, it's absolutely beautiful. All right, let's get to Big Dog's question. Keith, do you have an opinion on the United States UFO hearings or even Canada now looking into UAP? Uh, Well, I've got an opinion on it. They're not going to tell you what they find, and they will let people continue to throw chaff in the air to confuse the whole nine yards. And what what people aren't doing as far as throwing the confusion up the different governments are looking into it. They'll give you just enough. Like they finally come out and said, hey, we're looking into it. Instead of doing a categorical, they don't exist. But does it, is it likely that they are going to turn around and go, this is what we found out? 
Honestly, no. I can tell you the off-worlders are not going to be turning over weapons to mankind. Okay, their their um, their purview is communication lines, and you know, and that's pretty much the the way they work at this point. They tried the others, except for weapons. Mankind has undoubtedly is undoubtedly taking the wreckages that they do find and reverse engineering them. But the technology is so far ahead of mankind that it's going to be decades before mankind figures it out in in all likelihood. YJ wants to know, is progeria related to alien hybridization program? No, not from anything I've found out. Progeria is a hiccup in the human genome. Just like gigantism, I'm pronouncing that really poorly, and dwarfism. They are simply hiccups in the human genome. All right. Moving on as we wait for more questions from our audience, I I want to ask you, Keith, regarding the ETs that are here right now, do we have an actual count of how many different species are on this planet, you know, investigating it, never mind taking us, but investigating the planet. Um, you mean as in do human governments have it? The answer would be no. They don't communicate with each other well enough to give an accurate account. I can tell you we are, we are well over 500 different species on that are coming and going from Earth to do their own exploration, their own readings and what have you. But not all of these people are involved in the hybridization program and abductions. More of them are involved in atmospheric readings, um, you know, geologic, hydro, hydroponic readings, this sort of thing. Studying the, the, quantum, the quantum side of the construction of this planet. And, of course, we got to remember that each ourself is a living organism. Okay. So out of those ones that are said to be here, how many are actually having interaction with humans? As near as I understand it, there's only 40 or 50 of them, 40 or 50 different species. But I'm talking not 40 or 50 dealing with the, with Canada or dealing with the U.S. I'm talking 40 or 50 around the world. You know, you take a look at the Chitawari, which are actually not off-worlders. They're an ancient race. They are dealing with, with Africa, primarily. You deal with the Quaddle, they're dealing with, with uh, Central America. Then you've got the Srazazians, which are through Canada and the U.S., Torbanons will go to anybody because, quite frankly, the guys are they're mercenaries. You know, they, they will talk to anybody to get whatever they can within reason. I do know that Teclex are, are running around in, in, um, in the, in the uh, eastern states. Hmm. So with that, before we get back to audience questions here, with that, do... Or are there certain species that have just specific goals in trying to figure out what humans are and what our science is all about? Absolutely. 
you know, if you take a look at the Mobians, the Mobians are here to really study their own ancestry. Mobians originated on Earth. So technically, if you take a look at it, we, we call them Mobians now because their home world at this point is a Mobius. But they originated on Earth about 50,000 years ago. You know, so for them, they're coming back to see how far mankind has has advanced. Okay. When you take a look at the grays, they are here simply from a hybridization program. I mean, they are taking a look at the rest of the genome and what have you. Okay. When you take a look at the Nordics, most of the time they come back to reminisce about the time they dominated this planet. Okay, as in they were here as and took the took the role as gods. Basically, it boiled down to the humans at the time went, "Oh my gosh, you're so great, you're so special, you're gods." Here, have all this stuff, and the Nordics went, you know, the the, the Nordics went, "Okay, we'll take it." <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Makes complete sense. Okay. Let us continue on here with audience questions. Jules would like to know, how do you meet and learn about such a plethora of other worlders? Well, in my case, because of the fact I've been doing this since I was born, I've got 59 years under my belt with them. And because of the fact I keep ending up on the on their flagship or on one of their generation ships, you meet a lot of different races. You know, I mean, and that is, from my standpoint, it's sort of, it's been a process. You know, and I started off like many of you have, hopefully not as many as, as some people fear, being absolute, you know, absolute um, uh, abduction on a very volatile fashion. Not a fun thing. Let's go over to George. Are we dealing with a conscious field in contact experiences instead of individuals? Um, I'm guessing that would be a yes to both questions. In my case, it's a direct interaction. In many people's cases, it is a psychic overlay or an astral abduction, meaning they literally will come in, grab your astral form, yank it out of the body, and take it with them. Which, by the way, can be really disconcerting for people. All right, let us move on. If you're 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 quite quick tonight, quite quick. Mike is wondering: Is ET returning to a sighting, showing they do communicate with those that see them? Um, sometimes the answer is yes. And see, but what you'll find is the is the offworlders that return to a site, usually the young ones, and like I've told people. Humans and off-worlders, and for that matter, the ancient races, are all very similar in their drive. They like being recognized. They're not supposed to, which is why Carl got sent home for overstepping bounds. By the way, you should be running into him shortly. From my understanding, he's inbound. Hold on, I'm going to meditate on that now. (laughs) He's still far out there. But he is inbound. Uh, yeah, last I heard, they were just, uh, last I heard, he had 
if you will, made amends, you know, did did his penance, if you will, for overstepping bounds, and is now being able to return on the condition that he doesn't go overboard again. What, like talking in my backyard? That was just one of those days. Oh. Hold on. I think... You've just opened up a big can of worms here. You realize this? Yeah. So, uh, the alien Carl, not to be confused with human Carl in the chat room, the last time he showed up here was four years ago in August. That one will take your word for Well, you were on the phone with me that night. Oh, I wasn't referring to the event. I remember the event very well. It was the time factor I was having that I've got to take your word for. You know what's really weird, Keith, is I swore that event happened in October of 2018. And yet it happened in the summer. I swear I have had a Mandela effect on that. Would not be a shock. You got to remember the when you have an event that is that fundamentally altering, it has a subquantum resonance to it, and you will spot similarities, and you'll keep going back through it and playing it over because it's got an echo effect to it. Okay, I mean this this is actually quite a normal event to take and a normal side effect. Of a, a when I talk about it being traumatic, I don't mean it was scary. Although you might see it otherwise, I thought it was hilarious personally. Okay, so where the hell is Carl right now? <clears throat> I would be inclined to say about a third of the way back from Zeta Reticuli. So at his current pace, it wouldn't be a shock to see it be a couple of months yet before you see him. Well, before you hear from him. That puts us into August again. It does. You know what is very, very strange is Dr. Bob McGuire, a.k.a. Science Bob, is going to be here in late August, September. I wonder if Carl's coming down to hang out with us. From my stand now, I haven't been in direct contact with him. I just got it through the grapevine. Um, but that would not be a shock because Science Bob does seem to have a reasonable handle on things. And knowing Carl's curiosity level, that would not be a shock at all. You know, I mean, the guy is kind of like a kid in a candy store. All I want to see, I want to see. <laughs> you know? Uh, the first thing he's going to say is, my, you've gained weight. (laughs) Let's move on here as we got about four minutes to go before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Our Keith Andrews and the ET connection. Nikki is asking, is there ET bases under certain mesas and under certain mountains, such as the superstition mountains in Arizona and under Mount Shasta? If so, which races of ET? Well, 
the answer to that is a bit is going to be a bit cryptic, and I will, you know, I'll apologize ahead of time. But are there been bases under certain mountains, mesas, and and the like, and even quite frankly, under some air bases, active air bases? The answer is yes. Okay, and depending on depending on the location, you will have anything from your from your Nordics, your Srazazians, the Greys are down in some of them. Uh, your your um, Archerons, the the human size, they tend to keep it to human size or smaller. Okay, bear in mind, Srazazians are an average of seven and a half to eight foot tall. You know, eight and a half feet tall. They still qualify that as being human sized because they can fit inside a human structure reasonably easily. But yeah, they are scattered all over the place. Hmm. And yes, there are Eldebarons that are wandering around. But you'll find more of the off-worlders starting to surface as well. All right, let's go to Big Dog. Do you want all of this to pass down in your bloodline, all of your connections? Um, do I desire it to? No. That being said, it had, the information has to be passed down, whether it's bloodline or whether it's simply by talking to people and getting people to realize these are not the most, you know, these are not something to fear. This is just another group of entities that you can work with. I mean, there are certain rules that you don't want to, like there are some people, you know, that you do not want to deal with. Because, well, frankly, shaking their hand will kill you. You know, when you start looking at things like the like um, fire elementals, don't shake their hand. It's just a bad idea, and you can figure out why. Makes sense. Makes very good sense. Okay, Holly is wondering, what is the most violent ET species that you know of? Probably the Kinlar. The Kinlar will, and they're the Kinlar are a three foot, kind of rat like looking race that, um, that frankly will kill each other to get credit for the kill, even if all they're doing is going out and hunting. Okay, they spot a deer, they want to bring a deer down, they will kill each other so they can get the claim for the for that kill. Next to them, next to them, the Terrian tropes are probably the most unstable. Unstable as in they can be really happy-go-lucky one day and the next moment tearing your throat out. And quite frankly, having dinner. Without even blinking, never mind one day, they'll do that from one moment to the next. But the most violent, I, I'm pretty certain, would be the Kinlar. Because they just kill them because. They're kind of like, they're kind of like intelligent wolverines. Which I'm sure for anybody living in the North Country of Canada knows that wolverines are a lot of things, but sociable isn't one of them. Very true. Very true, my friend. We're going to get you to hold on right there as we have our Keith Andrews for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. we got a bunch of audience questions that are lined up here. We will take them to the top of the hour. Then in hour three, the Swamp Dweller will be here with another spooky story. Fedora John is back for the unbiased UFO report. And, of course, we have Shirky Poo's news to round out the night. A busy second half of Spaced Out Radio 
coming up right after this. Stay tuned. Just off to the washroom and coffee. All right. Be right back. All right. Don't forget to bring a towel. Yeah, but, you know, mm-hmm. Two different departments. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Do, 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 Ba da da ba da da ba 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 da da ba da da ba ba do 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 well, that's a nice one. What tune is that? That's Transylvania 65000. Yeah, yeah, Transylvania 65000. That is nothing to do with Coldplay. Andrew Fricker, you got a total. Total addiction to Coldplay. Because you were all yellow. Yeah, I cannot wait to take my son to Avatar. That is going to rock. Poor kid's neck is going to be killing him afterwards. We're going to be headbanging all night long. Enterprise isn't just one of the world's largest transportation providers. We're a committed team, helping you get to what matters most. Your family, your livelihood, and your next adventure. Getting you there begins with our employees, who are motivated to make a difference for you every day. Around the world and around the corner, in neighborhoods like yours. Connecting you to all the places you love. That's Enterprise. Every day, big decisions are made without full information. Better decisions are made without the noise. With clarity and confidence, Aon is in the business of better decisions. I just hope that he, like, enjoys it and that he, uh, hopefully we can get close enough where he could get a guitar pick. Because usually the musicians are pretty cool when they see kids in the you know close up they want to they want to give the kid a guitar pick and i think my boy would go crazy if he got a guitar pick uh yj i just i literally turned my studio um hold on it was facing this way turned it this way 90 degrees that's it so this here that you're seeing here was the wall that when I would get up to go out, I'd walk right past this wall. I just needed a change. It was too cluttery on the other one. So I hung up some T-shirts. 
Uh, behind me is a our Sasquatch shirt. Of course, the asshole uh, El Avdi Volador put up his shirt. And then uh, to the next one, I'll see if you can see that here. Hold on. If I change camera angles, you'll be able to see it. Um, right here is uh, my 2012 Guns N' Roses residency uh, Vegas shirt with Axl Rose on an Ace of Spades. Love that shirt. When I went to the Vancouver concert uh, in 2016 or 2017, whatever it was, um, <clears throat> I was the only one that I saw with that shirt on. Everybody else wearing Guns N' Roses shirt. I'm like, no way. I'm totally, totally bringing this one. And, uh, yeah. I had like eight or nine people walk up. Where did you get that? I'm like, Vegas Residency 2012. Oh, Keith is opening the window. Careful, people. Keith is opening the window. Yeah, well, that's because the temperature's going through the roof. Uh, this Bigfoot sign and I have another Bigfoot sign were sent to me by uh, Nate Rudd from Washington, Idaho, Bigfoot Search. Oh, my God. You took him to Pink Floyd, Human Carl? That is memorable. That is memorable. Hey, be more Dan. How you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Be more Dan. He's he'll be in Vegas next year with us, hanging on out, partying all night long again. Yep, be more Dan's good people. Uh, gorgeous Gene Beckett. How are you? Uh, thank you quickly to Smithy Times Two, Melissa Tech Seven O Two, Space Cadet Amy, Terry Snakes. Rex, Vaughn, Andresas, and Marty for the Super Chats. Here we go. past the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears as you tune us on in. Reminder to all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do us a favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Oh, during the break, I was kind of humming along to the old Transylvania 6-5000 song. And I'll tell you, anybody ever remember that movie of the 80s? Radioland? Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. You know, that one? That one? Best line ever. 
was, I believe it was Dracula to, to the Wolfman saying, hey, keep it up, and I'm going to rip every bit of hair out of your ass. That is the best line ever from that movie. Best line ever. Love that. To this day, I saw that when I was like 12 years old. I'm like 49 now. And that line still makes me laugh. Still makes me laugh. Our Keith Andrews. That's because you just nice frog. Uh, no, I just like some good, funny, dirty humor. That's it. I, I know Melinda and Nikki in the chat room, or Melissa and Nikki in the chat room, rather. Totally remember that line. Totally do. Yep. So, anyways, our Keith Andrews, the ET Connection. Uh, checking out all the aliens, asking questions. Let's go to Logan's question, because we only have you till the top of the hour. And that is, how do you off-worlders feel about us keeping their crashed people? Well, you get kind of a mixed bag there. Many times it's a case of they look at it as a research, as an extended research program. Okay, you you abducted our people. Now they can figure out exactly how you handle abductees and come back and report to us. Because you got to remember, when you're dealing with transport technology, there is not a thing that mankind can do to keep the off-worlders here if the off-worlders don't want to stay. You know, I mean, you, you take a look at it. These guys can, can literally grab you and grab the body without even blinking and without mankind being able to do a thing about it. So they just, more often than not, they leave them there. You know, if they find it to be mistreated... Then they just come in and pick them up. And they mankind go, you know, whoever is supposed to be in charge of watching comes along and goes, um, who let him out? But, I mean, you take a look at, at some of these races that are down, that are in these containment fields, and mankind builds them for, for people. Okay, they build these things with the idea of, yeah, they're stronger, you know, they're a little stronger, but they're still basically the same. You cannot hold, without a force field, you cannot hold a core lock. You know, you're just, mankind cannot contain them. Core locks don't have a solid form. For those, you know, to put it in simplest terms, if you've ever watched Star Trek, the old, the old series called Deep Space Nine, there was a character on there called Odo, patterned after a core, after a core lock. Mm, I see. All right, let's move on. Raul would like to know, what does our friend, which is you, Keith, think about aliens' portrayal on X-Files? Actually, that's one of those files that I actually think, I think the, I think that was Cameron that did that, was it not? The producer? I don't remember. Okay. But that being said, I think that's who it was. And the answer is they've actually got a pretty good handle on the different races they were portraying. You know, so they do a reasonable job of it. The answer is yes. Everything I, everything I know about it. You know, there are a few producers that actually know what's going on. And the rest of them are just kind of winging it, as it were, or just making it up as they go. But the X-Files did a really good job with, with some of the stuff, especially touching on some of the things that, you know, talking about some of the things that 
that people do. Like the, I remember one episode where they showed a contortionist going through going through the through the vents. And there are physical human beings that can do that. All right, let's go to Chris Teen, who is asking, because we're supposed to pause there. Chris Teen <laughs> is asking, how can one hear about Keith's personal experience stories? Well, there's two ways of doing that. Okay, and the reason I put it this way is because there's so many questions that come up here. I I don't like taking up that much time, but... If you're ever in Kelowna, B.C., up here in Canada, and you want to get together for coffee, I've got no problem with it. Okay, it's just a question of getting a hold of me and arranging time. Other than that, I am on, I am, I do a live feed on Saturday morning from from 8 until 10 a.m. And then that just depends on what's going on as to how that goes. But those are the two easiest ways. I got you there, man. I got you there. All right, Big Dog wants to know what kind of coffee does our Keith Andrews like? Hot. And literally, pretty, and like, I prefer weaker coffee to start with. Except, like, this that I drink here is is usually full of Folgers or Maxwell House, depending on which one's on sale. The one coffee I will never touch, there's two coffees I just don't drink. One is Edwards, because, frankly, everybody else says we take the best of the best. Well, Edwards gets what's left, in my opinion. And I just don't touch touch Starbucks. Let's go to Rafe. You know, I don't even... I, I took you for a Sanka guy. I'm sure your house is full of those orange cans. You're very mistaken. I actually don't have instant coffee. Just looking to see if I've got one here, and no. Come on, show us the orange bucket of Sanka. Yeah, I have to leave the store. I leave the house, go and buy one, and bring it in. I haven't had Sanka in my my house in over 20 years. I don't think anybody has. I definitely guarantee that there are elderly people all across North America that somewhere in their garage have an unopened can of of Sanka Instant Coffee. All right. Probably. Let's get to Ray Finn here. What was the first off-world race to come to Earth, and how long ago? Um. Well, the first race to come to Earth would have been, quite frankly, they were spirit. They were not a... They were in their raw form. And that would be roughly almost 7 billion years ago. They came here to build the planet in the first place. And yes, mankind has dated it back to about 5.6 billion years old. Fact of the matter is that that's when it had some sort of form and they actually put people on it. And it wasn't humans that got here that were the first race to walk on Earth. Although he built on Earth, not first. But the first, the first, if you will, full race, like the spirits were the first ones to get here. The Angelus came by, but the Xerxes were the first ones to enter into the area. They weren't the first race to settle here. The Elfid were the first to settle here. Well, more to the point, they were built here. 
but they're an ancient race. And yes, they are still here. All right. Well, let's see uh, what else we have here as time is winding down for our audience to ask you questions. Uh, well, let's, here's one for me, Magnetic Universe. How old are you, Dave? Ten days ago, I turned 49. Ten days ago. We are now on the countdown to Dave's 50th birthday party and the fan party in Las Vegas in May of next year. May of next year. That's where we're going. And we'll have a secret uh, viewing of Transylvania 65,000 while we're there. Let's do it. I think it's going to be great. It's I, funny. That's when I – May is the same is the same month I jump. All right. Ufologist is asking, which species drives the saucers inside orange orbs? Going to have to double check the name. I know exactly who they are. They're a reptilian race. I just have to, I'm pulling a blank on the name, but I've got them right here. So give me five seconds and I will give you a definitive answer. Uh, there we go. The Zotar. Basically, to give you an idea what the Zotar look like, um, the Geico man. There's a Zotar. You know, the little, the little um, gecko? Yeah. But only the smallest of them can fly and can run those, those ships. And the reason for that is because the ships aren't that big. Mm. And no, those ones are pretty, pretty harmless. Very technologically advanced. But needless to say, that's one of the races where humans will never get inside their ships. Something right. about the ship only being this tall. Right. Okay. So as we move forward here, are different orb colors destined for different species? Or do they all use the same color pattern? Not exactly. Okay, um, there are th there are four th four kinds of orbs that you'll spot on t on on a camera or in person. The most common type is just the little the little uh, light refraction from actual dust particles that look like orbs, but all they are is a, a trick of light. Then you've got the Zotar which actually operate their ships. Okay. But when you take a look at the actual, at the Verozic, they're calling, they are not a ship. They are an actual entity, which they, their different color tells you what position they hold in society. Okay. And the Zerzics have the same issue. They, but much as they look like an orb, Xerzix is a lot bigger than what the Rosic is. Okay. Let's move on here, because we do want to get as many audience questions in as possible. Angels are life, a.k.a. Nikki. How tall are the mantis and ant beings? The mantis, which are the clee clock, are usually around the seven-foot mark. Okay, 
if you're looking at the full mantis, if you're looking at the hybrids, they're usually closer to the five and a half to six foot mark. The talon, which are your ant people, are around the three and a half to four foot mark. Mind you, they can bench press the buke without even thinking about it. But the talon also have the capacity to, to spit webbing. That's the one race I still I'm starting to get along with better, but I did not start off on good terms with them. All right, let us continue. Raul is asking, where does our illustrious guest, that would be you, Keith, and your beautiful pork chop sideburns, see us as in a planet and humans in 10 years, or maybe 20 Unless mankind gets its head out of the sand, politely put, in ruins. But I'm still hopeful that mankind can figure out that they're all working on the same planet. If that happens, we could very easily have things set up where the, where the international space stations that are already in orbit are simply representative, where mankind, yes, it's still got its own countries, but... At least the countries aren't at stable war with each other. Now, that's kind of wishful thinking because mankind still seems to have this idea that war is a good idea. So I find it fascinating when mankind goes, oh, let's shoot at the off-world ship and then ask if they're friendly. Like, that's going to go over well. But mankind does have the potential, and especially with, with the work that people like Dave are, are doing, by making it a little bit more visible, a little bit more interactive and, and friendly, friendly based environment, it is quite possible that this kind of environment will be the will be the fun, the fundamental backbone where people realize that people around the world are going through the same thing. Okay, uh, let's get to Human Carl's question here which is, why do we see faces inside small orbs, four to six inches, when they are enlarged? Most of the time, it's because of the oh, play on the light. Okay, in other words, humans will see faces where there aren't any. And no, that does not make it your imagination. It's just the form of the picture that you see is reminiscent of a face. And therefore, you put it together in that way for the brain to cope with it. Okay. So, are there any type of uh, species out there that are communicating or traveling through tiny orbs? Absolutely. Who are they? Well, the Zotar, like I said, that's how they travel, is in little orbs. The... That looks more like a like a hairstyle from Pippi Longstocking there, Dave. Well, I know that. Just put my hair. Oh, okay. Here. Just thought I mentioned. Either that or there was a dog on uh, what the heck was it? The Looney Tune. There was a dog that used to have ear, ears like that. Well, you see, our radio listeners can't see me right now, so uh, I'm all good with. That. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, it makes sense. The radio, the radio viewers couldn't. So anyways, I'd be impressed if they could, though. Anyways, 
let's let let's talk about these orb things for a second because a lot of people seem to be having these orb things going on around them. I mean, whether they're little dots, you know, the size of a penny, or whether they are, you know, the size of a golf ball, the size of a soccer ball. Well, it just dawned on me that there is one other type of orb that you may find. The consortium utilizes orb technology. Okay, orb technology as in, we need to send down a, a probe to take a look. Orbs are extremely are extremely maneuverable. Okay, but they are also coated in a reflective in a reflective um, material. Whereby, if you're looking at it and you blow it up, reach new voters and effectively engage with constituents through programmatic advertising. Stack Adapt will show you how. Get your copy of the political advertising playbook today. Stackadapt.com slash voters. If you're a political advertiser, you've likely been restricted from running ads on some social media sites. Good thing there are 302 million active internet users who are voters. Get the Stack Adapt political playbook for your roadmap to success. Stackadapt.com slash voters. You're going to see a somewhat distorted face if you're close enough. Well, okay. So, are we seeing images of spirit within them then? Not you, you might be with with the Vrozik. Sometimes they will take on a the Vrozik itself is not a mechanical item. That is the actual race. And the Vrozik have been known to mimic a face to make themselves seem a little bit less frightening. The Zerzik are just so far beyond human ken that they just don't even understand the reason to do that. The Vrozik is a, is a very young race comparatively, and therefore you get that curiosity factor. I want to show you a picture that was just sent to me. So for our radio audience, this is a picture of what looks to be some light lines. And Keith, uh, Nicole Sackage just sent these to us. She got this image tonight when she was taking her own photos. Uh, what do you get off of a picture like this? To me, it almost looks well. Like, number one, it almost looks like the Fey. Well, it is. I mean, if you take a look at the, you see that in the batch of of three right up at the top. Yes. Okay. If you follow that contour from the from the um, from those three, bring it down in an arc to touch the tip of the one in the middle, and then come back out the at the arc at the bottom. You're looking at you, there is actually a figure right there, okay, that is very visible, and I suspect. Well, this has got to be a picture taken at night wherever she is. Oh, pardon me. The photo was sent to her. The photo was sent. Oh, to her, okay. Not taken by her. But yeah, there is an entity right there, and I've got no spatial reference to give you a a size of the individual. Aside from just telling you that it runs from the time from the bottom of the arc down in that half moon all the way to the bottom into the footings, and I suspect you see those two heavy little dots at the bottom. Yes. They're kind of elongated. Yes, those are additional entities. Those and those, by the look of them, are probably fairy. All right. Okay, and they're probably settled on the ground, on the ground or on a branch. I don't know what the what the actual picture itself right. is is behind it. 
Right. Okay, I, I got to ask you uh, from Joe here in California. He is asking, as we got about three minutes to go, are there any aliens that just show up as a pair of glowing eyes? Well, we could go with the Cheshire Cat. But watches have been known to do that. But watchers are 100% harmless. They are literally there to watch. They will not interfere. They simply record. Mm. Hence why we call them watchers. Got you. Okay. As we uh, continue on here, we got you for about another two minutes. I'm going to try and find another question or two from our audience here, Keith, because I think... um, We'll try and sneak one in. and um, Okay, but I want to get back to Joe here for a second. The reason why we ask is he actually caught on video the other day uh, a pair of eyes that was for, for literally one second on video blinked in, were there, and then blinked on out. They, and he lives in Sasquatch country over on the Sierra Nevadas between California and Nevada. And gets a lot of different types. Oh, right. Gets a lot of different types. He's dealing with a shadow walker. That that was done, and that was taken outside, Dave. Yes, that was a shadow walker. What humans would call a vampire, which, by the way, does not mean goes in danger. What about his puppy? Not in the slightest. Usually, the shadow walkers will will go after. They'll go after game, right? And yes, they do go after blood. But that's you know, it, it's like I, I wrote a poem one day about them, and it really boils down to this: if you can see them, they're totally harmless. It's when you don't see them that you could have a problem. But what I'm getting around shows he's got nothing to worry about. They're willing to show themselves to him. They're not interested in dislodging him. How tall are they? they I mean, this, this, uh, we're, we're debating in question how, how tall this thing was. Well, that depends entirely on the individual, but they are basically human sized. But they do come ranging from child to adult. Most of the time when you see one out on its own, you're dealing with Nathal, which will put it five and a half, you know, five, five and a half feet tall sort of thing. Right. Right. All right. We got 10 seconds. Tell everybody where they can find your YouTube channel, Keith. You can find my YouTube channel at R. Keith Andrews. Look for The Journey. It'll be the easiest one to find. Okay. And other than that, find me on Facebook at R. R. Keith Andrews or Inner Voice Enterprises. But YouTube, there's a list of all sorts of ways to get in a hold of it. Right on. Our Keith Andrews, the ET Connection. We will talk to you next month. Coming up next on Spaced Out Radio, we head to the swamp. Swamp Dweller returns along with the fedora-wearing John Hudson on Spaced Out Radio right after this. All right, brother. Appreciate your time, Thank my you. man. You take care. We'll talk to you soon. You do no more too, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon about that whole Carl thing. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Take care. Okay. Bye. Take care. All right. That's our Keith Andrews, the ET Connection. 
Love him. I'll be right back, guys. Look at my nice pigtails. Aren't those nice? I know Clam will get some sort of picture of him. Be right back. Hello, gorgeous Jessica Lee. How are you? 
Alright. Where are we here? Let's go here. see here we've got about 30 seconds Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for tuning us on in wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. We want to make sure that you remember that uh, you can check us out on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Pangeometry. Pangeometry is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky voyage. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. When I was about 16 years old, I got a job as a personal assistant slash cleaning lady for a wealthy couple living in a big, beautiful mansion on Lake Michigan. It was a great job then, but after a while, I had to quit because of everything going on, and I'll tell you exactly what that was. I made $12 an hour as a 16-year-old girl, which was just crazy to me at the time. 
but now I know it's because the homeowners couldn't get anyone to stay to work for them. But I didn't see them all that much during the school year, so it was fine. I would work 40 hours a week in the summer and part-time while in school. So, during the school year, I would hardly ever see the homeowners and would be left alone to clean the house. I had a key, alarm, and gate code, so I let myself in and out as I pleased, essentially. In the summer months, I had help from a few other employees, but in the school year, it was just me. At first, I loved being in the house alone. Don't get me wrong. The place was gorgeous right on Lake Michigan, had a beautiful view of it. I'd always open all the curtains to let the sun shine in and blast the surrounding sound speakers while I cleaned. It wasn't until I was alone that I started noticing how weird the place was. Nothing ever felt welcoming about the place. Sure, it was pretty to look at, but it was modern and everything was marble and stone. Not a very homey feeling. My first experience happened when I was cleaning one day in silence. I remember not turning on the music because I had a bad headache that day. Suddenly, the speaker to the upstairs part of the house turned on. The way their speaker system works, you can control it by a touchpad in the kitchen, which would play music everywhere besides the basement and main bedroom. To play music in those areas, you must go to the touchpad, turn it on by the control pad, and sync it up with the rest of the house. The reason this was so alarming was because I was the only one there. I walked up the stairs to check what was going on and figure out why the music turned on, seemingly by itself. I looked around and called the homeowner's name, thinking someone had just come in without me noticing, but the doors were still locked and no one was home. I shut off the music and went back downstairs, not thinking too much of it. It started happening more often, though. I'd be listening to music and it would turn off, or it would be off and turn on in a completely different area of the house. I brushed it off as faulty electronics and didn't really think much of it. The second most prevalent story I remember from working there was when I was cleaning the workout room in their basement. I never wanted to go into this room, and I couldn't tell you why. Something about this room just felt weird. It was super cold and dark, and I felt anxious in that room no matter what time of day. I tried to avoid it at all cost, but my boss would get mad when the dust would build up, so I forced myself to go down there once a week to tidy up. So anyway, I was in the workout room using a broom and mop. I remember sweeping the floor and propping the door open against the machine while I used the mop. Suddenly, the broom fell over, hitting the wall, and the baseboard to the floor as it was fell, causing three distinct knocks. What I heard after scared me so badly I refused to go into that room by myself ever again. Immediately following the knocks made by the broom falling, three knocks responded in the exact pattern the broom fell, but it was coming from inside the wall. I know what you're thinking. It was not an echo. It was not some sort of scared animal. It was knocking. Deliberate knocking. I was utterly alone in a big, quiet house in the middle of nowhere on Lake Michigan, and someone was knocking back at me from inside the wall. To this day, I have no explanation for what I experienced. Lastly, this was the first and only time I have ever seen anything paranormal with my two eyes. And I know this time it's not me being paranoid or crazy because I was with a coworker who saw it too. Sometimes my boss would rent out her guest house and we would clean it before the guest would arrive. So this guest house has a big glass hallway leading from one main area of the house to another. I was cleaning the house while one of my coworkers, Bob, was standing next to me. Just then I catch a glimpse of what looked like a boy in a blue shirt running by. I turned my head just as Bob turned his head as well. 
He asked me if I saw that too, and I said yes. Thank you for sharing my stories. Hopefully everybody enjoyed them. All right, we say thank you so much to Swamp Dweller for having a great, great night here on another great story with the Swamp Dweller. You can find Swamp Dweller on YouTube. Go to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads to get things going here. And we really do appreciate it. And we're going to get into some UFO news here in just a second here because we are just uh, waiting for some news to kind of come on up here. As you know, uh, John Hudson will be taking the night off here on Spaced Out Radio. We are going to be rocking and rolling here with some news on UFOs. And I want to get to a couple of subjects here that I am very, very interested in right now. Very interested in. And I'm curious to get our audience reaction to this as we continue on here talking about UFOs, especially Science Bob, as you guys know, Dr. Bob McGuire around here, is at the SCU conference right now down in, oh, where is that? Somewhere in the U.S. They've huddled up. The big name scientists have huddled up and are literally talking about some major major news around the UAP subject. So my question to the audience here is this, as you guys tune on in, and if you're in our chat rooms, I'm curious to read your examples here. And that is this. Is science going to solve the UAP subject? This is a debate that I think a lot of us are going to have over the next number of months and years and everything that is going on. And I'm curious, what is your opinion on this? What is your opinion on what is going on? Look, science wants to know about these craft. They want to know where they're from. They want to know if they are populated, the craft that is. They want to know, is it from the future? Is it from a different timeline? If you're a political advertiser, you've likely been restricted from running ads on some social media sites. Good thing there are 302 million active internet users who are voters. Get the Stack Adapt political playbook for your roadmap to success. Stackadapt.com slash voters. Advertising is a race. No matter what products or services you're advertising, if your campaigns aren't winning, you might be left on the track. Stack Adapt. Speed that makes the difference. Learn more at stackadapt.com slash advertising. Is it from space? I'm very curious about what you think. Now, Dr. Bob McGuire had a great picture today. It was him, Melinda Leslie, John Alexander who many know from Robert Bigelow's days, along with Gary Nolan and Dr. Eric Davis. This is a who's who of scientists at the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies Conference right now in Huntsville, Alabama. And it is something that is very close to us. But will science solve this issue? I'm not sure if they will. I really am not sure if they will. 
And here's why. Science is about nuts and bolts. It's about tightening the screws, figuring out the formulas to everything that these craft are doing. However, for those who are experiencers, the one thing that we don't think that science can do, and I could be completely wrong with this, is talk about the biological effects of what is going on. Now, maybe somebody like Gary Nolan from Stanford University can figure that out. But at some point, I strongly believe the scientific community is going to have to jump on the bandwagon regarding the experiencer. I don't think they have a choice. I don't think that there is anything that is going on that could really, really detail the science behind the biological consciousness effects of UFOs. Now, the scientists may not agree with what we are saying. All right? But we need to be able to move forward with this. We need to be able to bring both sides together. So let's get to some of your opinions here. If you're in our YouTube chat room, you are more than welcome to make a comment. So let's start off with Dennis here. Dennis says, I don't think science will solve the UAP subject. However, science will change because of the UAP subject. Brilliant comment, Dennis. Brilliant comment. And I fully agree with what Dennis is saying here. Because we're not going to be able to solve what is going on, technologically speaking. Science, our science, is not advanced enough to explain how a craft of 40 feet long can go from 28,000 feet to hovering over sea level in less than a second without crashing. The G-forces alone on that would be around eight 900 G-forces. Humans can only get through to about eight or nine before we pass out. And that's when we black out. That's when we can't take it anymore. I think personally that we are just at the point of not being able to figure it out. However, what Dennis also says is science will change because of the UAP subject. And if we continue to learn more, which we will in our primitive science, because our science compared to what these craft are doing are extremely primitive. I think what will happen is the more we get to know these craft, if we are able to have these craft, if we haven't already, eventually our science will be able to catch up and learn and expand from the technology that is out there. Logan says, science cannot answer any everything. That is very true. That is very true. But can we get enough scientists on board to say, this is something we need to put all of our collective heads together? 
chemists, physicists, biologists, engineers, and many more. We need to know. We need to know what is happening and what is going on. We need to figure out how do we break the code to learn more about this subject. Science is going to play a big part of that. We know that. But at some point, they need to bring in the experiencers. What about the experiencers who state, I've flown the craft. I've flown the craft. It's all done with the mind. It's all biological. It's like the ship is connected to me, my brain, my consciousness, my hands, my nerves. It is one with me. That's what I love. And that's where we are not at yet. Lawnmower Girl says, I think maybe humanity is about to get another tech leap much like the smartphone. That is a good point. If we are publicly able to capture one of these craft, whether it's a crash retrieval, or whether one lands and lets us diagnose it and literally take it apart and try and rebuild it together with human technology, we might be able to be in for that technological leap. These are craft that are not creating any sort of heat signature when they're flying, which means that they, we don't understand their propulsion systems, which means that they're probably not driving on diesel or regular unleaded, <laughs> right? Yeah, they're not pulling up to the gas station and saying, hey, I need the premium. That's a little too expensive for us regular folk. No, they're doing it some other way. And I really do believe these ships are biological in some way. They're technical, but they are biological. Let's go to Donnie here. He says, no. No, because our level of understanding of science isn't up to speed with the fundamentals of how these craft operate. Donnie, I 100% agree with you, and thank you for the super chat. I really do. I really agree with that. Our physics needs to improve. Look, there are some brilliant scientists, probably at places like Area 51, Wright-Patterson, down in New Mexico, up in Utah, some in Arizona, and in the deserts of California that are breaking down this whatever we have, if we have crash retrievals, which I do believe we have. And you're right. As far as we know, our science isn't up to speed with that. However, this is where the whole line of Ben Rich in 1992 comes out. and That's 30 years ago when he stated that we have, A, the technology to get E.T. home again, and B we are 50 to 80 years more advanced than what the public sees right now. So maybe humanity is further along than what we know. We're just not going to see it. They don't want us to see it yet. They 
want it for themselves. Remember, the military-industrial complex is the most powerful complex in the world. And there is no ending it in the near future or the long future. Military makes money makers. It keeps states in the United States going. It keeps people employed. There is no need to change it. And when you got a surplus, you go fire some missiles at some third world country who's partying like it's 1499. That's the way it goes. YJ Overlander says. I think the scientific method is designed to block disclosure. As long as anecdotes don't matter, science is eating its own tail. And running around in circles, if I do add to that, YJ. I think that's fair assessment. I think that is a very fair assessment to it. That they are blocking their own disclosure. Why not? Why not? Look, if, if disclosure was so important... They would, they would just release it. They would release it all. But there's too many secrets to give up on disclosure. There's too many secrets. And that's the problem. That's the problem we're having. Is the secrets that they want to keep. That are hindering the scientific side of things. And... The moving forward with the knowledge of this. Maybe that's why so many other scientists haven't jumped on board yet. Look, we all know there's scientists like Neil deGrasse Tyson or Bill Nye, the fake science guy, who are out there, don't want anything to do with this subject. And there's a lot more scientists at universities and and companies with government grants, private grants, and money coming in for study that they don't want their name tied to the UAP story because they don't want to lose their job. They don't want to be known as the woo scientist. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure going on. But maybe, as Jules says, we need more quantum physics because quantum physics does look into the woo. Good point. Good point. Let's see what we else we got from the audience here. Let's take a look. Logan says, We need to rethink issues in a philosophically sophisticated way that also takes the best interpretations of fundamental science and its limitations seriously. We do. But we also cannot... In this particular subject, and this is my opinion, Logan. This is my opinion because if you knew some of the names that I am not allowed to release who have had some and are opening up now to some major, major woo, it'd blow your mind. And these people are nuts and bolts people who are now getting downloads of their experiences and realizing that those of us in the woo who they have fought for years about 
tinfoil hats, conspiracy theorists, that all of a sudden, maybe we weren't that far off the mark. And maybe it is part of the future of moving this topic forward. And I think that those people who are in that situation right now, who are just learning about this, realize and are starting to open up their eyes that the scientific side of everything is so off balance from where this subject actually is traveling that they will never find the answers that we need. We'll get close. We will move the ball forward. But we won't get the answers that we need just yet. When we come back from the break, I'm going to break down the interview from Member of Parliament Larry McGuire. There's a lot to say over that interview that we did recently regarding Canada's role in ufology. We need to talk about that. When we return, Shirky Poo's News will be back as well on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. Final half hour, Spaced Out Radio is next. Hey guys, I just got to quickly step away for a quick second. I'll be right back.
Sorry about that. What a good night tonight, everyone. Little R. Keith Andrews. Got some good woo. Got some good swamp dweller. Oh, Logan, I agree with you. I agree with you. Science is doing a great job for what we have. It isn't putting the scientific community down. Right? We could get into a whole conspiracy show about that. We totally could. Third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. Want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Now, if you caught our interview a couple of nights ago with Member of Parliament up here in Canada, Larry McGuire, this is something that I'm very passionate about because, as you all know, I am a Canadian host. I have kind of an interest in what's happening up here with UFOs, UAP, and the subject alike. And Larry McGuire said some very, very interesting things. Now, this is a gentleman who grew up as a farm boy in the province of Manitoba. Didn't really see anything. He's never seen a UFO. However, like many of us, his attitude towards the subject changed on December of 2017 when the New York Times article came out, written by Helene Cooper. Advertising is a race. No matter what products or services you're advertising, if your campaigns aren't winning, you might be left on the track. Stack Adapt. Speed that makes the difference. Learn more at stackadapt.com advertising. Reach new voters and effectively engage with constituents through programmatic advertising. Stack Adapt will show you how. Get your copy of the political advertising playbook today. Stackadapt.com slash voters. Ralph Blumenthal, the former Pulitzer Prize winner, and Leslie Keen. That's where we saw the three videos come out of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, a.k.a. UFOs, Tic Tac, Gimbal, and Go Fast, the name of the videos. So, up here in Canada, 
What was interesting about that conversation that we had with MP McGuire is, number one, there is interest in the Canadian government on starting to figure out unidentified aerial phenomena over our airspace. Now, for our American counterparts, this is a good thing because it means another ally is starting to take this subject seriously within its parliamentary halls. And we need this. We also know that former Defense Minister Harjeet Sajjan was read in on June 21st of 2021, four days before the American DIA report came out. The initial report stating that there were 144 sightings that were investigated. 143 of them they couldn't explain. One, of course, was a weather balloon. But some of the other interesting things that Larry McGuire stated about this was he sits on the Standing Committee for Nuclear Power in Canada. Canada does not have any nuclear missiles or weapons. It's a nuke-free zone. But we do have nuclear power facilities in Ontario. And what's interesting about that is McGuire actually received information that there have been sightings of orbs, craft, drones, whatever you want to call them, over the Canadian facilities. And he stated on this show that there may be video of these craft, whatever they are. Now, this was the first I had ever heard about this. I knew these incidents had happened, but the fact that there may be video of these is something that we need to try and get a hold of, potentially through FOIA requests. This would add to what is happening in the United States, where we are getting military videos, but we're not getting much more. Imagine if the Canadian government actually released those videos or some sort of freedom of information request was able to secure those videos and bring them to the public. That is something that we may have to work on. Whether it's us here at Spaced Out Radio, whether it is a media personality like CTV News, or Daniel Otis, freelance journalist. We need to work on that. We need to be able to get those videos. So, why is this important? It's important because the government officials are starting to learn that the phenomena is officially everywhere. It's not an American problem. It's not a Russian problem. It's not a Chinese problem. It's not drones. It's no enemy from a terrorist or third world party association that wants to bring civilization down. They know this. They know through conversations with their American counterparts up here in Canada 
that this phenomena is not going away and there's a rich history in Canada. I was looking into this today. It started with Project Magnet and Wilbert B. Smith. Now, Grant Cameron, who is on with us after the show, he actually has written and studied extensively on Wilbert Smith. This is a man who was an engineer for Transport Canada who was asked to look into the UFO phenomena back in 1950s. And his initial report coming out in 1954 stated that they're not human. They're of some sort of extraterrestrial descent. His reports were relayed to the United States because the Canadian government, U.S. government, felt it was important to talk about this. And then everything kind of went silent. Smith died in 1962. Fast forward five years, where 1967 happened, Canada's Minister of Defense, Paul Hellyer, is a big wig in Ottawa. And what happens on his watch? The Falcon Lake incident, where Stefan Mikulik, an amateur geologist, walks up to a UFO. The door is open. He looks inside. He hears the engines rev up. He gets blasted away, has radiation burns all over his clothing, his skin, with some strange dot pattern that would come and go over the next number of months on his chest. His clothes and the photographs and the evidence to that are still sitting in the University of Manitoba in their archives. Then, a few months later, we see Shag Harbor, where a giant craft is witnessed by more than 800 people, civilians, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, firefighters, ambulance attendants, the military in both Canada and the United States, where this alleged craft crashes into Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia, into the bay. The navies from both Canada and the U.S. race out there. The first inclination was it was an airliner that went down. However, all private and public airlines were accounted for. No crash. So what landed in there? Now, there is a rumor, and this is only a rumor, that apparently a couple of Canadian divers went down to look at it the following day during daylight and they actually saw two craft underwater and some sort of being trying to fix the craft that went and crashed. They went down the next day. Both craft were allegedly gone. Then you fast forward to 2005 in Canada, where Paul Hellyer came out and stated that he believes extraterrestrials and UFOs are real and here on Earth. In an email to me in 2019, he stated point blank that he knew a person who walked into a private meeting and heard that Canada is in touch with two different extraterrestrial species. Now, once they found out that this member was not privy to this information, they immediately asked him to leave. 
and not speak of a thing. In Canada, the problem that we have is the information is sitting in a bunch of different filing cabinets that nobody knows what to do. So according to Larry McGuire, as he starts to put this puzzle piece together with fellow parliamentarians and elected officials, that Canada potentially, if we could get this on the parliament floor for debate and discussion, needs to have its own UAP task force. Sean Cahill, who came in as an analyst after MP McGuire, stated that it would be a good thing for Canada to have their own task force for not only sharing information, but it might be a little bit more open than what we are seeing in the United States. Because up here in Canada, the military doesn't rule the roost. The public does. Which could be a gateway or a doorway to open up more disclosure. The RCMP has its own files. NAV Canada has its own files. The military has its own files. Transport Canada has its own files. CSIS, Canada's spy agency, has its own UFO files. And many other alphabet agencies sitting in Ottawa. What we need to do is get those files put together and collect the data that goes along with them. And we can hope that Larry McGuire, along with members of his party that are now jumping on board, members of the New Democratic Party, and potentially, hopefully, the governing Liberal Party, will come together and realize that this is a story that will affect not only all Canadians, but all Americans and everybody on this planet. Canada has a rich and proud history of investigating UFOs. It's just time to bring it back out the way it was during Project Magnet with Wilbert Smith. Grant Cameron is an expert on that, and we need to be able to, you know, pick his brain. Between Wilbert Smith and and the files of the late Stanton Friedman, there's a lot of Canadian information to go over there. And the government knows about that, thanks to Grant. This isn't about UAP reports anymore. This is about gathering the information and putting it into one area. But the thing that I liked about it was MP McGuire stated he did not want the Canadian military heading this project up. He wanted Canada's top scientists to create a board for bringing this information out and studying it on a public level. To McGuire, disclosure means let's bring it to the public, not let's go over it, redact a bunch of it, and then see if we could give the public some cookie crumbs. That's not what it's about. It's about bringing the files together. It's about sealing off potential areas where NORAD gets all the information. Even though that may be contractual that Canada has nothing to do with. Because, let's face it, 
Our military isn't the best prepared. We have extremely strong men and women who are willing to fight to the death. But we don't have the toys to provide for them that are proper for today's engagements. We just don't. We need to be able to open up these files. And everybody in Canada should be approaching their members of parliament and stating, what do we know about the UAP files? Even our American friends should be emailing the Canadian information and trying to get it. We need to be able to bring this out because there are answers there. And that could include bringing this to Canada's scientific community. Don't forget, with the SCU conference going on right now, there are seven scientists from Canada at different universities right across the coasts, from coast to coast to coast, because we have three of them, that are on the board and members of the SCU. They could provide a lot of detail to what is going on. But unlike the United States, Canada also needs more of its military personnel, retired and current, to come out and announce what they have seen and what they have gone through. Whether it's CF-18 pilots who have chased them down, much like what we've seen in the United States, whether it's naval ships that have seen and heard and taken reports of USOs or UFOs flying above. It's a big mission, it's a tough mission, but it can be done. We just got to get to it. Let's get to Shirky Poo's news. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's news. All right, let's get right to it. Middle school students have researched legislative steps needed to exonerate Elizabeth Johnson Jr., convicted in 1693. Why was she convicted? She was the last Salem witch, and she has now been pardoned 329 years after her execution. A woman who was convicted of witchcraft in Salem, Mass., finally had her name cleared after more than three centuries as Massachusetts lawmakers legally pardoned Elizabeth Johnson, Jr. Her conviction took place in 1693, and she was sentenced to death amid the Salem witch trials. Johnson is the final accused witch to be cleared, according to reports. We will never be able to change what happened to victims like Elizabeth, but at the very least, we can set the record straight, Massachusetts Senator Diane Diesel Gligo uh, stated and approved the bill of pardon to Johnson. Johnson was never executed or officially pardoned. A group of eighth graders at Northern Andover Middle School in North Andover, Massachusetts, began researching the legislative steps needed to exonerate Johnson. And in a statement, the civics teacher, Carrie Lapierre, praised her students for examining the long-overlooked issue of justice for this wrongly convicted woman. Passing this legislation will be incredibly impactful on their understanding of how important it is to stand up for people who cannot advocate for themselves and how strong of a voice they actually have. 
On Twitter, DeZoglio announced the legislation to clear the name of the last witch, Elizabeth Johnson Jr., she wrote. She concluded her tweet by thanking Lapierre and the students. The Salem witch trials began in 1692. Hearings and prosecutions lasted until 1693, according to the Massachusetts Trial Court Libraries. Hundreds were accused, 20 were killed, 19 of those were hanged, and one man was crushed to death by rocks. Oh, thank God we're out of that period, isn't it? Here's a weird one. A lot of places around the world are gradually starting to legalize cannabis, and as far as psychoactive drugs go, weed is one of the milder ones, but that doesn't mean that it can't mess with your brain with unfortunate results. Let this bizarre and gruesome story of an Indian man serve as a cautionary tale for those who want to light up the devil's lettuce. On May 19th, a man by the name of Midsahajul Ali from the village of Dakar in the West India, got his hands on some pot, but after he smoked a little bit of the reefer, he had an unusual reaction. Now, we should first mention that Ali reported also using other drugs, and he suffers from mental health issues, so we can't fully attribute it to the hippie lettuce. But what Whatever the ultimate cause was, the weed sent Ali into a psychotic breakdown. And, yeah, he was overwhelmed by an intense feeling of guilt for smoking the drug. To put things right, the only thing that he could figure out to do that was reasonable as a punishment to himself was to cut off his own wiener. Cut off his own wiener. Needless to say, the stunt landed him in hospital Try as we might, we couldn't find any reports on whether doctors were able ever to save his penis. That still remains a mystery. However, at the hospital, Ali gave a more detailed explanation about his motivation to mutilate himself. He said that despite his drug habit, he is still a religious man. We weren't able to confirm which religion he subscribes to, but in his own words, its tenets consider drug use sinful. All right. Boxing legend Eric Butterbean Esch is on the verge of a comeback after returning to his best shape ever and now wants to fight YouTuber turned boxer Jake Paul. The heavyweight, now 55 years old, has been retired since 2013. However, he says he really wants to kick Jake Paul's ass. He's been working with former WD star Diamond Dallas Page, who has worked with uh, retired athletes in the past to help them heal with post-retirement pain and get them healthy. DDP has worked with the likes of legends like Jake the Snake Roberts and the late Scott Hall, helping both of them kick alcoholism as well. Butterbean also has a significant past with the WWE, having boxed wrestler Bart Gunn at WrestleMania 15 in 1999. DDP looks like it's paid off with Butterbean shifting tons of weight and posting his progress on social media. In the meantime, the big announcement is, I'm going to fight one last fight. It's going to be one year from now, Jake Paul. If you're ready, I'm here for you, my friend. Let's get it on. Me and you, Jake Paul. I bet it would be an awesome fight. After you said you what you said about me in the magazine, I'm ready to fight. Are you ready? I don't think so. I want to see this brawl happen. My money, honestly, is going to be on Jake Paul. Butterbean's too old. All right. Thank you so much for tuning us in tonight. We really did have a lot of fun with you. As we got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music 
of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyrighted by SOR Media Ventures Limited. Space Out Radio thanks you for tuning us in because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu Train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. A lot goes into taking care of your property. You need equipment with more reliability, durability, and versatility built in. Like number one selling Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors, Z-Series mowers that deliver a quality cut, and Sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Lee Tractor Company of Mississippi. Mississippi's elite Kubota dealer. On the web at leetractor.net. These sounds are the sounds of lower emissions. That's because one day soon, engines like these could run on lower emission fuel. Renewable diesel derived from plants that's engineered to keep millions of tons of CO2 out of the air. At ExxonMobil, we're working to supply the energy the world needs today while playing a leading role in the transportation sector's transition to a lower emission future. It's one of the ways we're advancing climate solutions. Learn more at exxonmobil.com fuels.